What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, my darlings. I love this episode. I love Chef Alyssa, if you can't tell. She's cool as shit. And Chef Alyssa is really my favorite kind of guest. She's someone who let life take her on various adventures, being her authentic self, working hard, and enjoying her life until she settled into her true calling. So we talk about what her food life was like growing up in LA, the challenges of being a black female chef when she moved to New York what it was like personal chefing for Common, what it was like being a producer on Moesha, and what inspired her to open My Two Cents. Don't forget to listen to her podcast, My Last Meal on Dear Media. Enjoy. But you grew up in Los Angeles. See. And you went to Westchester High School. I did. (laughs) When it was good, apparently it's all fucked up, so... Well, most of the Los Angeles schools. And did you always want to be a chef? I was a master of all trades or whatever you call it. Um, That's a cool thing to say about yourself. I think that I was good at everything but anything administrative. Mm -hmm. So kids, when you figure that out early, don't think you're Slow. Just know that you have artist vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because, <clears throat> yeah, I, I my parents, we ate together every single night. So I came from a house. My mom, I came from a house and my dad, he did barbecue in the backyard and he mm. loved he had his famous baked beans. So that was his deal. <laughs> that was his thing. But. <laughs> You know, pork chops on Tuesday, meatloaf on Thursday. Super American, uh, straight down the It was line. that scheduled? Uh-huh. That's so smart. Yeah. So you know what's going on. You don't have to ask for dinner. They're like, what's for dinner? It's Tuesday. Well, it's also nice that your mom didn't have to. Like, I'm constantly like, what do I whip up to make mm-hmm. interesting? Even like I was telling a friend of mine now that was that's married. Even if you say, take a piece of the past. And not every night like my mom, but maybe two nights a week. And mm-hmm. she's implemented. She's like, God, it's so much pressure off. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Tuesday already. Yes, this is easy. You know what I mean? On Mondays, I like to roast a chicken. That's like See? my. And on Friday nights, we went out 
to dinner. So that where was would you guys go out to dinner? Everywhere in L.A. First, the big box restaurants, you know, all mm-hmm. the Houston's and that kind of thing. And then there was a restaurant. You would know you come whole- to Pasadena and go to the Houston's? Yeah. Do you know Fire. all of that? Yeah. The what is that restaurant? Well, it's a hotel on fair on um, the 405 and Sunset Exit. You know, that tall, old looking. That round. I, is that a hotel? Yes. I thought it was a apartment complex. It's well, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be a hotel and it was a restaurant on top. You know, the restaurant spins slowly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We used to go there all the time. That was a thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then very much like Gladstones and. You know, anything on the beach they love, like Chart House and, you know, all those kind of beachy kind of vibes. I wished Malibu had good restaurants. I know. I thought about they tried to get me out there just with my two cents, but (sighs) I don't know. I think I wish it had. It's weird that it doesn't. But it makes no fucking sense. There's like no it's, it's like fuck that stupid Nobu. And then, but you know what would be cool in Malibu that they have not? I'm so surprised that they haven't. A, a restaurant that's in the hill. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have that. That would be so beautiful. So beautiful. Like this view that's picturesque. You get people off of PCH because it's a shit show sometimes with the restaurants and make it something beautiful and special. There's room for it because there's still space. But so if somebody space. were to do that and um, it would be kind of sexy. There is no even like Soho Malibu is I mean, by, by the way, then you're at Soho Malibu. But there's no good. I mean, it's like there's Joffrey's. It's fucking insane. Joffrey's. No. Can you imagine still happening? It's like it's like a row. The shrimp fettuccine. <laughs> 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 like and you then know. there's and then there there's the the Greek Tonys Traverna, which is trash food. Nobody likes all that my food. friends in Malibu. Are like, there's no food out here. There's no food. My girlfriend just moved during COVID, moved from New York, and she was like, this "I got crazy. nothing." It's crazy. There's don't the, live on Broad Beach. You're just really. I also to- just feel like it's like a epicenter for death and destruction because if there's like an like there's only the two ways out. Well, that's my thing, too. I get really paranoid vibes. Like sometimes I'm like, I can't you can't get out. You're trapped on the edge of the side of you're trapped literally on the side of America because that's the end of the country right there. And there's no way out. There's the mountain. So here's my like trifecta, which I picture happening every time I'm in Malibu. There's a giant earthquake, which has now sparked raging fires and an Mm -hmm. impending tsunami. Right. And there's no, so you can't drive through the mountain because the mountain's on fire and everyone's racing to try to get out of PCH, which Mm -hmm. is a fucking shit show on a normal fucking day. And then the tsunami is going to just push, we're all just going to get, the wave's going to crash us all into the hill. Yes, because that's what will happen. My friends, when they had the tsunami in Japan, imagine this. I was personal chefing and I was, I don't know what, I was in what state. I don't remember, but I remember just being up at that time, like at the hotel room doing something weird. And I saw it live. I saw this shit live and I literally 
don't remember how long I was just crying and crying, crying like what? the Because it didn't even look real. And they were like, there's just been an, you know, and they had yeah. all the cameras on there. Like it's been an earthquake. There's some tsunami warming. I watched it happen. Shortly after that, my friends in Venice, everybody got a pamphlet. I mean, not a pamphlet, but like a newsletter, if you will, mm. of basically saying, if you don't live on the east side of it, of Lincoln, Sayonara. Oh, yeah. I, I, the, that's <laughs> so there's signs up now. So that's so crazy. This the school. Have you ever I noticed it like parking a couple weeks ago, but it's been there for a long time. It fucking says tsunami area, like on the school. Yeah. So basically it's sold by friends now, but she lives in Malibu. So I guess she's at peace with it. But literally <laughs> it says <laughs> if you're not in front behind Lincoln, you know, just call it a wrap. Can you imagine the just everyone trying to run towards Lincoln Boulevard? I get a little paranoid. I have a friend whose house is no. so beautiful up um, past up in that Joffrey's area. And oh. their house is literally at the ocean. Like, you know, those ones with the yeah. splashing. You have that splash guard on your house. So your friend's seagulls. a multi-multi-millionaire. She, multi she has two seagulls that are married that have been coming to her, her, her balcony for seven years. I'm not even kidding you. She has names and everything and the wife and they have like, it's wild. And I always think but they're like, we've been here for 20 years. And I'm I like, know, I know I nothing know. happened, but I just still get so paranoid because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. I know my husband's always like, you're just supposed to like live life and not think like that. And I was like, are you? That's the Italian way. Yeah. They don't really think about fucking anything. Yeah. They just think about being happy right now. And we should live more like the Italians. Because they do, you know, value what at least what we put in our mouths a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more about your like high school into like becoming an adult. Where are you? Where did you? Um, I didn't graduate from high school. I well, I didn't walk. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Well, I was accused of cheating on on the final. And let's air it out right now. I wasn't fucking cheating. I was just extremely popular. So somebody handed me the fucking answers and I was already finished. Uh, God is my witness, God. You know that's true. This is your senior year? Yep. Last final. And so, In what class? Hmm? In what class? Basic fucking math. Come on. Jesus. I'm not. Oh, yeah, there's no, I, by so, the way, I'm not passing any math test ever. Yeah. So basically the teacher's aide was like, Elisa is cheating. I was like, bitch, but I probably <laughs> have I probably tormented this young lady, this little girl, her whole existence at the school because I was fucking. Are you a Scorpio? Popular. I'm a Sag. Oh, OK, OK. And so, I mean, I know I must have been at least mean to some people because people have come up to me and been like, I'm cool now, bitch. Like, whatever. I'm like, damn, what kind of evil bitch was I? Some, you know what I'm some, saying? To the point where they're still sitting on it. Yeah, like when I was in my, you know, when you first started going out to clubs, I would see some people from my school. They're like, yeah. <laughs> cool. 
But <laughs> yeah, so that was traumatic to my parents. Shout out to mom and dad. I'm still so sorry, but I'm telling the truth. After that, people just started always telling me, like adults in the street, like asking me, am I from New York? I'm like, excuse me, I still live at home and no, I'm not from New York. <laughs> so early on, um, went to high school, you know, summer school to get the fucking diploma, which I never picked up. I don't even know if I picked it up. I did the class mm-hmm. just to be like, okay, hey, it went to Samo back then. I don't know how I just checked myself into, yeah, I did, into uh, Santa Monica College. And then I started doing windows. I just started doing visual merchandising at Saxon Avenue and Beverly Hills. And how do you stuff. do? How do you just start doing a job that's that major? Well, I went for Christmas help, and then they just loved me, and they were like, "You're good at this," and right. blah blah blah. So, you know, back then it was a little bit different. They'd let you in, and and so uh, from there I started working in production. Funny enough, and I started working. A friend of mine was like fucking one of Eddie Murphy's like homies. Mm-hmm. And then we went up to Paramount's lot one day and I was like, yo, this is cool. I'd love to ride bikes all day. <laughs> this is great with baskets on the front. This is cute. <laughs> and so I started, you know, he was like, oh, I'll talk to Eddie. And they got me a job on Paramount's lot. And uh, yeah, That's it was crazy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The energy on a Paramount lot is so it's like palpable. And you just think about all the, I went for like an event a couple of weeks ago and I was walking back to my car by myself and mm-hmm. called my husband with like a tear in my eye. And I was like, this is some of the most important movies in the world. In like the world. Life in the changing. World. In the world. Or just right here. Paramount's lot is epic and you feel it. And I remember working there with so much I was only in the mailroom and then I then they bumped me up. I got asked to leave the mailroom because Eddie Murphy's guys sent me a golf cart. And that was they were like, I came to work and it's a golf cart. So everybody else in the mailroom was like, fuck you. Who are you? What? And so I was finishing my route faster and everybody's like. (laughs) And so they were like, you could just work for us because the mailroom's not working. And (laughs) yeah, it was. That's kind of like the world. But then I moved to New York and fell in love. And I ended up, that's my New York journey back and forth for like over 10 years of just. How, where did you, how old were you when you moved to New York? And what did you do when you moved there? Hmm. I was about, let me think, 19 maybe. Mm-hmm. And I did nothing. But what year is this? And fucking, um, early 90s. So I literally partied and went to clubs and and back then you could tell people you did anything so I was like oh I cut hair I remember I had cut my nephew's hair before holy crap so I started you know this cute California girl and I'm Mm -hmm. like doing all these record executives hair and realized that I was fucking their hair up like it was not yeah that's where you're in New York with the best haircuts ever ever. so Mm -hmm. but you know I was like oh I do uh office office um, calls yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So did that. I was doing all kinds of hustling. I did tours to Statue of Liberty and the um, Empire State Building. No. Yeah. That's amazing. So I would have like maybe 45 people to 100 people following me. And I didn't even never lived in New York, but it was good because I got that job through some theater like group. 
And it was so funny because I would be giving tours acting like I knew what the fuck I was talking about. I was just in, in a, you know, just as amazed at the tours. So I got to see the inside. This is when you can go inside yeah. the Statue of Liberty. So that was fucking bomb. You know, just survivors shit. Barista for a second. Like, I didn't work in rent- restaurants at that time. I was too young. I hadn't gotten bit by the food bug yet. When did you get bit by the food bug? Um, Back when I started. So you come back and I started working for Moesha. I was doing... Um, Wait, Windows what were you Sachs. doing for Moesha? Yeah, when I was 20-something. So I was a PA. So basically, I was doing windows. Um, I must have been like 23, like fresh from New York. Started doing windows again. A friend of mine, this guy I used to date, his mom was always so cool. And she was like, you should go back into production. We missed you from Eddie and blah, blah, blah. I'm working on this new show called Moesha. I'm like, whatever, whatever. Whoa. Ended up working on Moesha for... Shout out to Mara. I still know producers on there. Shout out to everybody on Moesha. Um, I ended up working there and that's when I got bit by the food bug because I was like, I liked production and television, but I was like, eh, it was too structured for my crazy ass. Mm-hmm. And so there was a woman, a girl that worked there whose dad was a really t- big chef at the time in New York. And I just needed a reason to move. Give me a reason to move back to New York. <laughs> Any fucking thing. So um, why did you move back here initially? Pro- probably there's a couple of times you might, you know, when you're just finding your way and finding yourself and like yeah. you have parents and you can go back to your room, um, mm-hmm. take advantage of it. But yeah. I had seen it was like some summer fest. And I had gone through my first winter in New York and I was like, you know, it's so hard. It's not for it's cute until like after New Year's. This is what I thought. But in L.A., I'm thinking it's going to be over in the new year. I'm like, okay, cool. And even spring was freezing. And I was like, this is spring. I'm not with the shits. No, it's not until like May. Yeah. And it was some festival and all my friends came and they were tanned and everybody looked so healthy and I was like <laughs> and so I came back and you know because I was like a you know it was so expensive and you just being from Cali I was always like I could come back so yeah. that was one of the times I came back started working on Moesha and then a friend of mine said hey work there work there girl working there was like my dad's a chef and I was like oh I they say I should be a chef Meanwhile, during this whole time, I was giving dinner parties with a best friend in lofts downtown. Fatima Robinson. Shout out to Fatima. She's a choreographer. Legendary. Wait, tell me about Um, that. You guys, you're just putting people. You were just like, let's get a group of people together and make really good food. She always gave great parties. So I started just cooking and then watching people's reaction. Ah, man, I don't even remember. Just probably some just, you know how when you're first an adult, so I'm sure I was making, you know, bruschetta, some stupid shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like thinking I was doing it, whatever, overusing rosemary, I'm sure. <laughs> like, uh, rosemary for everyone. You get rosemary and you get some rosemary. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. everyone was in their early 20s thinking that they were doing it, you know? Yeah. I have a loft. It has a swing in it. I remember she had oh a swing. Oh, my God. Everybody had a swing in their loft. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is when down, she lived in the back of downtown. We're downtown where it was like the real people with lost when it was so yeah. small and it was like cute. And so I was like falling in love with food. I started reading about it. I started just wanting to know about it. I, I don't know what got into me and obsessing, watching all of the first Iron Chefs when they were only in Japanese and yeah. like all of this stuff. And like they had like the boring chef shows where I was just became obsessed. And so this uh, girl they hired, uh, Moesha, was another PA and she's like, oh, my dad trained Tom Calicchio and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, so I was like, I called him up. She was like, well, if you want, it's, it's a little late. You're like 23, maybe. You know, call my dad, see what's up. He's like, you're black, you're a woman, you're too old. Mm. I was like, perfect. I think I want to do it. <laughs> Fuck you. And so uh, he ended up actually teaching me some of the best things I would ever know. You know, like things. What was his restaurant? His restaurant, he had several. But in the 80s, he was big and he had a restaurant called Mondrian, which was in Central Park. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so a lot of big chefs came out of there. So. But the thing about it is, but without mentioning him his name, because I like his intrigue, he was like a CIA operative, like kind of person. Those people really exist that are like half in the world and half on some shit. Mm -hmm. And I would never believe him, but then there's some shit that happens. And I was like, okay, I believe you now. Like, damn. Cause I was like, you're her. His daughter used to be like, you're fat. Who are you chasing dad? Like what what (laughs) fire you? But you know, he'd be like, Oh, I have to just go overseas some, 50 tons of gold that's been ours. That's been over in this country for since the 1900s. Like, but how shit. would he do that and run all these restaurants? He would just leave. Oh, like, it, you know, remember that movie about the gong show host? That shit is real. Like things like that happen. So that's I'm not going to put them on blast. So cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So were and- you working like. What they threw you in a kitchen and they were like cut onions. Like, so what check was this your... out. He refused. So I ended up being trained by David Burke at Park Avenue Cafe. Oh, wow. He took me on. And so that was my experience. And that's how serious her dad was, because he was like, I oh, call my friend David. And when I called him, he brought I moved to New York and wow. I lived in the Chelsea Hotel. No. Yes. With the bathroom down the hall, like the whole thing. Yeah. For how long? I was there for, well, in the Chelsea, not only for six months, but I was there for a year. And what kind of shit would you see there? Fucking weird, crazy shit. But guess what? I was working 50 hours a day. You had like an hour to sleep. Yeah. And like my hands would like have spasms from like chopping. And oh, my God, it was literally the army. So, of course, I was coming from L.A. in production and was like, what have I done? fucked up my I but was it feels making good though right yeah because it was intriguing and I had Cali weed so then everybody started to love me anyway but like I saw how these people ate slept food mm-hmm. but some of them this is when I feel that I've learned 
that it's a passion. Like certain chefs are technical and some are passionate. Totally. I'm a passionate chef because some of this shit. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I got a place in Silver Lake. So within this, I got my, a restaurant with some partners. And so I was like training on command. I was like, I need to open up a restaurant. So he David Burke brings me in. And he was like, she has a question. Answer it. Da 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 da. Answer. As cool. soon as he left, they were like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah, of course. And I was the enemy of the kitchen, mm, which is because he doesn't talk nightmare. to everybody. Yeah. People he was like, chef talks to you. He did never talk to me. I worked for him for five years. But so it was a lot of hater. And I was a girl and I was the only black person in the whole fuck kitchen. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. So they were like, what are you going to make home girl? Uh, avocados? No. Is that what you do? Oh, yeah. They were giving me a hard time. A kitchen is a scary fucking place. It's scary. <laughs> and then they had, in Park Avenue, they had a glass room in the middle. So your chef coat had to be perfect at all times. No stains, no oh, this. Fuck. They had a huge room with, like, hundreds of chef coats. So you would change them all the time because there were people, you would turn around and people were staring at you. It was an amazing experience. I'll never forget it. It changed my perspective on food 100%. Because when I left, I was like, yeah, I'm going to open up a cute little cafe in Silver Lake, this place where nobody knows. But I'm like, Silver Lake is going to pop. You watch, mark my words. People thought I was crazy. Because this by this time, it's like 1998. I'm in my fucking early 20s opening up a restaurant. And yeah, Silver uh, Lake, <clears throat> for people who don't know, like I dated a guy that lived in Silver Lake when I was in high school. So this is like 2002. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, people were like, you're going to Silver Lake. Like, yeah, there's nothing like how, where did like, there's nothing over there. And I was like, right. Yeah. There's actually like full communities of people mm -hmm. like that have been they there for there. a long time. Like, right. And so it was, I mean, I ended up doing when I left and when I came back, I was different, different food perspective, all of this. And I was, you know, cooking French, uh, California. And of course I got ridden up and Irene Verbila ripped me up, wrote me up, which is like the OG of food writers. God rest her soul. I was compared. What to was Thomas, it called? Thomas. You were compared Kyle. to who? Thomas Keller. No, my first book, I swear. I was like, and I was so green. I was like, who the fuck is that? Holy shit. Yeah. Like that. It was wild. You were compared to Thomas too. Keller when you were 20, like a young Thomas 23. Keller. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's so funny when you said like French California. I like mm -hmm. my you just go Napa. Yeah. And that's why I loved when you were talking about Napa on my podcast, which everybody has to listen to. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. And so that became my food journey. And that restaurant was open for a few what years. What was it called? And then Pio. P-A-I-O. And literally after that, I was like, I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. I went to back to New York and just started, you know, working in kitchens again and like trying to figure out what the fuck, you know, what what's going on? Well, who am I? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And so after that, I came back to L.A. I didn't realize that I got a notable close. I didn't know what a notable close was in the L.A. Times means your restaurant was good, apparently. And I started doing catering. So I was like, because people will find me and be like, where the fuck? What happened? Wait, wait, wait. So why did this, the restaurant close? Just young, bad managed yeah. fucking cocaine. Who knows? It was just a lot. 
drinking. You I wonder know, how just, many restaurants have closed because of cocaine. Lots. Endless. Lots. Endless. 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 It, it's just, yeah. And so... It does fuel the restaurant. It really is the, <laughs> the impetus for food being actually made, I will right. say. Ironic. Right. And of course, all the long hours or whatever. Yeah, of course. Um, no just, normal yeah. person is like with their mm-hmm. own energy of their own body cooking that for right. that long. And just like young and don't know what you have and just call it quits on the restaurant because you're not realizing that, you know, because I used to get hate mail. Like I've been trying to, you know, from different restaurants, like who the fuck are you? You just come out of nowhere, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So I should have, in retrospect, like if we would have known the jewel we had, you yeah. know, I probably, we probably would have done stuff to try to keep it open, but it was an argument and it was all of the whatever. So now I'm back here, start doing all the corporate shit. Like when sneakers became cool, we did all the Nike house stuff. They had a house in Venice. I remember that. Uh-huh. I did all of that catering for years. Well, cool. catering's hard. I don't think like so many people... Most people have no clue what a beast of a human being you have to be to work in food. I know. Like carrying things and chopping things. My best friend who has is a mother of two at 35 was like, I want to I want to be a cook. Right. You're crazy. And just started. She's been doing it for two years now. And every you know, I see her three times a week. And every time I see her, there's a new like giant slice or burn or she's the thinnest she's ever been because she's on her feet all fucking day. Yeah. If you could see me, I'm sliced and diced. It's you could see if somebody's really cooking or not. I mean, again, it is one of the more manual things we have to do in life. People think that, you know, but it's all the senses. It's like they're like, oh, I know. You should have this on your menu and they don't understand a a chef sees it raw, sees it where it's living, sees it in the ground first. You got to figure out who's taking it out the ground. Where is it coming to? Where is it going to be stored? How is it going to be chopped? How is it going to be cooked? Then Mm -hmm. prepared to all the way make it onto your plate. Mm -hmm. People don't think of that. They see the Mm -hmm. finished product and they don't understand. You have to house it. You have to know how long it's going to last. All these things. In five seconds, even people want me to create a menu. I'm like, but it's normal now. Now it's, you know, the brain. What do you think when you think about it? it, So if I say like artichoke. Why would you think of one of the most? Because that's a tough one. (laughs) Exactly. But there's so many ways that I, I can, I instantly, I thought of everything from steam to a ravioli from a dip to, you know, but ravioli jumped in my brain right now. Ooh. hmm Yeah. Artichoke because ravioli sounds so- I've never had artichoke ravioli. I know, but that's where my brain went because I was like, I thought of it. It's like literally if a sunflower seed was a vegetable, like the flavor, you know, when you eat it raw, you have to fight with it so much to get that beautiful little flavor. Mm-hmm. So I would want a bunch of it in a bite. And that's the first thing my brain went. I saw it like steam, doom, puree. <laughs> and I didn't think about what would be with it. But, you know, it's a strange brain. 
<laughs> it's a good Strain, one. Right. Yeah. So now you're catering insane events. You're still in your 20s. Yeah. And uh, now it's just still haven't grown up yet. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm still having fun. Everybody's taking life very seriously. And I'm having fun with food. You know what I mean? I love spending money. I don't like thinking about what's next. I just love spending money on all my loved ones and living outside my needs, just like an American, like just like a good American. I am (laughs) so with you. Like, it's wild. (laughs) I love, I work so much because I just love spending money and I love being able to buy shit for people. And like, yeah, mom landed from the airport last night. I was like, Uber black, baby. Got you. Yeah. People are like, oh, 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 when you pull up in an Uber black. And I was like, listen, first of all, I drive a 2008 Volvo, Swedish, Swedish made before Ford, Volvo station wagon by choice. What color? She, her name is Emma. She's light gray. She's across country. That's the best. Stop you have the best playing car. me. You have the best car. You know what I mean? And because I like Uber blacks and I don't like a car note. Okay. And. You can always stunt on somebody. When you pull up in an Uber Black. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. I remember when Uber Black first launched and we were at a restaurant and like we were in New York and some kid pulled up and like the door opened and like some fucking nerd popped out. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, I remember I was with like a bunch of people and, and everyone was like this Uber Black thing. Makes everybody think that there's a fucking celebrity, dude. Like, exactly. that was so crazy. Exactly. You never know who's exactly. in that Uber Black. This is my, right now, people are like, you deserve a new car. You're doing so well. You deserve it. Nobody deserves a $1,200 car note. No one deserves that, okay? Do I deserve one of these car companies to give me a free car? Yes. Because gas is $20 a gallon for me to drive. <laughs> So other people could buy them. That's what I deserve. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve a $1,200 car note right now mm-hmm. because I like randomly buying truffles and shit. <laughs> it's stupid. I can't even go anywhere near a gourmet. It's wrong. Like I, it, my friends love bags and clothes and this. It's food for me. You know what I mean? I will pour truffle oil on a motherfucking burrito. I don't give a fuck. Where do you, you go like, food shopping? Well, I love, I, I keep it local. So Lassen's is my closest. It's like the small version of Air One. And, Where do you and, live in Los Feliz? I live in uh, Mid-City. Okay. So they have one there. Then I do Air One. Then I do farmer's markets. Toilet papers and shit, we do fun, smart and final. You know, you- I don't have a Costco card anymore for those kind of things because that's too far. It's too but far. It's too far. There's it's one too- pretty close to me, but like yeah, the Los Feliz one. But no, there's one in actually there's one in like at uh, water. No, no, there's like, it's like Arcadia or something. Oh, yeah, that's like, on the we'll side. We'll even of go here. to that one. It's on my yeah. side. But honestly, Costco is depressing. It's like going to Vegas and counting how many of those motorized wheelchairs you see. It's fucked up. I've I mean, never brought my husband. Up. I'm too Shout scared. out to Costco. I'm not mad Costco's at you because I don't have nine kids. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense for people. I get it. <laughs> we got to 
feed the family and buy two flat screens today and a printer done and a case of cigarettes for Danny. You know, mm-hmm. it. I get the concept. My mom but, loves to get like her, like anything. She gets off on being like, I'll be like, oh, I need like, a, like I'm going to go to like, what like Warby Parker or whatever. Like to, I need like new glasses. And my mom yeah. will be like, go to Costco. No, everybody, there's literally, it's a cult. I'm like, I don't want to go to Costco. It's a fucking cult. It's a cult. I don't need to see a woman with like 120 frozen burritos. This is what I'm saying. So the food section has changed over the years. The food section, if anybody has noticed, went from fresh to frozen. All of a sudden, these motherfucking huge aisles of pre-made cancer, I mean, um, food, damn near, the sodium fucking. Do you know that they they put sugar in the rotisserie chicken? They inject it with sugar. Bye. What the fuck? There's so many ingredients. What do you, you mean? Roasted chicken. Why like, does a chicken ro- need sugar? That's I. Someone posted it on Instagram, and I said, it, "Where? Unless I am getting orange chicken, yeah, a rotisserie chicken is its purest form of chicken. That's it. It's chicken and fired. You know, this is when I said no to Costco. This is I got one for you." Salmon. I was looking at it and then a side of salmon. I'm like, how is this shit so cheap? What the fuck? How is this so cheap? I was so confused. I read the label and it says salmon color added. Yeah. So you're raising these motherfuckers so fast that they don't even have time to get their natural color. So you make them pink. You know what? Salmon is really good. Scottish. And, yeah, and it, the the salmon that's at Erwan, like the Scottish salmon that's just at Erwan, I buy that whenever I'm there and keep it in the freezer. And if I don't know what to make, I pull that out. And it's like th- two, and I can get two meals out of it. It's for me. And like, right. and I'm just like, and just that with fucking, with rice, like with anything. That's like, what I'm saying. People have to understand all salmon is not created equal. I love you, Atlantic, but I don't really fuck with you. I, I love New I don't York. Like, it's like fishy. Yeah. And New Zealand and Scottish is really good. Obviously. You know what I used to eat a you lot? You know what stopped coming? What? And we just, I guess we're just used to it. Copper River salmon. What happened? Oh. To <laughs> this is some bullshit. So about seven years ago, There's none left. they started seeing these reports that this, the, the salmon weren't coming up the river. Each year it got less and less. Now, all of a sudden, I don't even hear about the shit. It's sad. Salmon was like, you know what? Fuck that. Salmon said, fuck it. Yeah. Salmon's over. You know what I mean? I used to, you know, I used to eat a lot of, and then I started looking at labels, and I thought I I was being healthy, but like young me who, you know, was like on a major budget, but like still wanted to have a sophisticated palate, only shop at Trader Joe's. And I would eat that, the tilapia from Trader Joe's all the time. God, God this is, I, I don't fuck with tilapia because it tastes too good. And I was like, something's up. And then I learned. Yeah. It's not even real. <laughs> Damn but it's here. not real. And it's it's just, not. I don't know what I was eating. I was eating yeah. a bunch of weird shit. Right. Well, that's like when people say, oh, I have a Chilean sea bass. No, you don't. It's been on the endangered species list 
since 1987. What? Yeah. It's Patagonian toothfish. They just say it's something else, but it was endangered. Um, my fishmonger used to tell me this. She was just so, shout out to Julie. She was like, uh, uh, she used to be so crazy. And I'm like, what the fuck? And she's like, you don't understand. Our kids, your grandkids will not know what real fish is. I'm telling you this right now. Mark my words. I watched the fucking Netflix. What's it called? Which one? The show about how there's like fish is so fucked. But then, but then I once you go down these rabbit holes, it's like, so what am I supposed to ever eat? Because well, this is the thing, and this is what I don't like, and I don't like about it is that money is our god. That's just the end of it. Money is our god. We've lost respect for things that we love, and we overfish because everybody's so fucking greedy. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, well, what are we supposed to do now? And they always blame it on the consumer because a lot of these companies are break it, and then they're like, oh, we'll fix it later. And they know they broke it years before. Mm-hmm. It shows to us that we're it, it's broken. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And people could say all that shit. I'd rather pay high-ass taxes than to know that there's somebody re- regulating the ocean saying stop using it as a trash can. Yeah, of course. Like, because you know over the t- years, I mean, I've seen some fucked up shit with the shit stuck in the thing and you're <gasps> wrapped around the fucking mouths. And it's like, there's so much. if trash we're seeing this all the time, that means that the it's literally a trash can out there. I think about when it every you- time I see like, you see like, oh, like... Uh, like someone, like in my Explorer page on Instagram the other day, it was like, like, oh my God, look at this yacht sinking. And like, wow, like that yacht is sinking. And I just kept thinking like, so all that's just going to be in the ocean? Mm-hmm. Like how many fucking boats and like all this stuff on the boats and yeah. like things we yeah. just throw off? Like how is any yeah. poor animal? I mean, listen, we could go on a rabbit hole tangent for this. I want to yeah, talk but about- I just think that we're, 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 um, it's one of those things that we overreach every time we want to fix something. Mm. Just like how somehow all the fucking fruit ended up being wrapped in plastic container. That was an overreach from some other shit. It's like we keep overreaching on the fucking shit. And okay, this is what we'll do. It's like everybody wants almond milk. Okay, everybody well, it takes wants a gallon almond. of water to produce one almond. So now you're lying because now you're, you know, everybody's a cartel. I don't even know. Everything is a drug. Mm-hmm. Everybody's slinging dope because you know you cut that with some shit. This is not real almonds. It's almond extract and water because if we really drink all this almond milk in a drought type setting, we can blame the fires on the fucking almond milk because yeah, there's totally. no fucking groundwater. So that's what I'm saying. I just want to start. You know, I think that my journey to being a chef was so full of love, but there's so many realities in it to where I, you know, I watch and I'm like, I know about all these documentaries, but it really makes you question your livelihood. Yeah. How does that affect how you cook? It's so fucked because you're torn. If any other, if chefs aren't, saying the truth, they're lying. Like, it affects you in a huge way because you're like, my huge body of work, what am I in this for? Why Mm -hmm. am I doing this? Do I want to, you know, flip it? Am I supposed to turn vegan now? 
Now, I'd be a bomb-ass vegan chef, but I just don't feel like it, okay? Because <laughs> is veganism the best? You know what I'm saying? Is it the best? Because we're overreaching on this. Every time somebody gets healthy, they're not talking, telling you about the poor village that was already poor, that now the, the first world countries want to exploit their fucking little herb that fucking kept them alive because mm-hmm. we need that shit. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, it gets all twisted in terms of like, oh, God, it drives me crazy because I'll start crying. And I'm like, I can't be a shit. <clears throat> I mean, I make clothes, so I'm pretty much in the worst of I'm like the devil. You know, what do we do? Mm-hmm. What do we do? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so we say, OK, let's source local. I mean, that's really just the best you could do. That's the best you can do. That's the best you can do is just be aware. And because, again, if people start to do that, then it will force companies to do other shit. Yeah. Now, would I say, okay, how would I, if I wanted to change the way we treat our meat, do I make everybody go vegan or do I make, you know... Gather a mass world protest and say, we're not going to fucking eat commercial meat for a week. Mm-hmm. That would hit them harder than me fucking convincing 10 motherfuckers to be vegan. Yeah, 100 percent. Or 100 persons to be well, vegan. Well, when you tell people not to eat, it's it's too People also don't want to. <clears throat> people don't want to not eat meat. You know what I mean? This is what I would say. And this is what people have asked me. Buy a cow. Go in with your posse. Go in with your homies. Going with your crew. I have a lot Buy of people a fucking tell me cow. That. Go yeah. half on a fucking cow. Mm-hmm. Split that bitch up. Watch your, you know, they have farms that do that. Cut mm-hmm. it up. Share it for a fucking year. You know where it came from. Teach your kids the same shit. And, you know, we start like that. It's a slow burn. But if you, because what happens is if another enough people, because if you tell somebody stop eating meat and they got five kids, they're like, okay, well, what? The fuck. Then they stop listening. By the way, they just stop listening to you too. Yeah. Because so every why don't you guys, it's just too extreme. Exactly. If you buy a cow, cut it up, have it for a year, it's cheaper, mm-hmm. or it comes out the same. You know Betsy. She was there for you. Every <laughs> burger that you make, you know where it came from. Uh-huh. You loved on this cow. Mm-hmm. And that would now turn smaller farms into bigger producers. They can serve their community, live, have a nice life. Because newsflash, everybody doesn't want to be extremely super rich because then you have to kill somebody. People just want to have a nice life and be able to go on a vacation and shit and fucking have their kids do better than them. Buy a cow is what I'm pushing. Because then if that becomes a trend, then the big corporations have to treat theirs better. I love that. I've I've talked about that actually with, we we were just in Napa and we went to a family's house and they, they had, they'd done that Mm -hmm. and they had a big ass freezer in their garage and I I opened and it was like so fascinating to me to see how it was just amazing food family. And I was like, where do you mean from? What do you do? And he was like, we bought a cow and I opened the freezer and there it was like all the ribs were on. It was all packaged, ready to go. Yeah. They ground up a lot of it for burgers. I mean, it mm-hmm. was beautiful. All right. I want to know about my two cents. Okay. What 
how did how did this restaurant come to be? Okay, so basically I was in New York and it was a one night we went out to dinner. And uh I remember the place called the Defiance Cafe, I think was the name of it. And I was cooking, but I was still like on the fence of okay, what should I do? What am I doing? Now I'm, you know, about to be 40. Like, what's going on? So I went to this place in New York just for dinner. And it was high end, but it was like had some Southern hints to it. And so I was like, oh, I told the chef, I said, yo, the chef came in. I was like, I love your, you know, hints of soul food. This is not soul food. I'm tired of people fucking calling this soul food. This is American food. Okay, buddy. Whatever. Uh, just calm down. Okay. So that just sparked me, you know, because I was always, to be honest, being black, there is a connotation mixed with soul food or anything that you do because it's in your DNA of the beat down that anything you produce is good or not good enough. Mm -hmm. So me being a chef and black, I wanted to be different. I, I wanted to go as far away from our food as possible and, you know, be this other chef and be different and inspire on this level. Um, that didn't work. It did, but, um, you know, it wasn't, I don't know. I just felt like, I need to love my culture more. So let me just see how beautiful and get into this. So that restaurant inspired me. I was like, huh, I never thought about flipping some, you know, evolving nostalgia, if you will. That's my word, evolved nostalgia. So um, I started writing a like a menu, right? Just on the side, like I was inspired by that. So I was like, wow. How would I mix my food knowledge with how he did it, but did it in my way? And so I just started, and I was um, private chefing for Matt Kemp, which who used to play with the Dodgers, and Common. Shout out to Rashid. Um, you were private chefing for Common? Yes. For five years. Ugh. That's I saw brother. Common and Talib Kweli and Erica Badu at the House of mm. Blues before it closed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I w- it was like... <clears throat> Amazing. Yeah, I would just remember being like, I can't believe I'm in this situation and I'm seeing this. <laughs> and like, I also think Common is just, just like the sexiest man alive. He's gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Wait, who does gorgeous. he date now? Is he single? What's his vibe? I don't What's he know. doing? I oh think he's God. single right now. But what did, what, I'm gonna find out. What kind of food did he want you to make for him? Well, that's the thing. So he got me into the whole vegan thing. He was vegan. He went from Prescottier, and he's always been a very conscious food eater. Mm-hmm. So we would, you know, sometimes he would have to play a role. So we would have to do certain diets and this, that, and the third. And we kind of just rolled around. We were on tour together. All kinds of stuff. Huge influence. I was I was actually his chef up until literally I opened my two cents. Oh, he cool. was like, fuck, what about me? This is great. <laughs> then he was like, wait, what? Were you he thinking for him so- every day, full-time personal chef? Yeah. That's cool. Every day. Pretty much every day. Almost every day. We traveled. I traveled with him and stuff like that. That's so fun. Yeah, it was super, super fun. Um... And so I started writing this, you know, on my journeys with him and just in the side. And I would say, so how would I do this without 
pissing off black people because, you know, they have their soul food. What is soul food? Da, 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 da. I don't fucking know what this shit is. You know, I was mm-hmm. just like, I can only judge from. So I did con- consult my sister because who is the pastry chef of my two cents right now? But she oh. was the cooker. She was the cooker. I'm the youngest. She was the cooker. So I was like, what do, what's this soul food? Like, name some of the shit. And so we started, I knew what I wanted because there were certain dishes that I had picked up in the South and this, that, and the third. And I wanted it to be elevated. And I also wanted it to be conscious in terms of gluten-free, a lot of vegan stuff. I wanted it to be, if LA had a soul food, this would be the reflection of Los Angeles. So hummus was on there, um, a lot of kale at that time. Uh, tacos. We do an oxtail taco. tacos. Yes. So I started, and my sister, I remember, she'd be like, what is this going to be? Like some vegan restaurant? I mean, I don't understand. Gluten-free, why? I don't get it. Like, she's super from Texas and, like, uh, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I came up with the name, My Two Cents, because I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. It was just my opinion. So it's my opinion where I think, and it was, my money, so it's my two little pennies and my <laughs> opinion. And so I wanted something that if I was going to move back to L.A., I wanted the food quality to be very high, but the 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 vibe to be like that small hole in the wall that you love. Well, so that's what I wanted. I mean, it definitely has that vibe. Mm. What did I have there last? I had like a take on a club sandwich. Yeah. Fried green tomato BLT or the um, the fried chicken uh, club. That was the fried chicken club. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the thing. And what's so funny <clears throat> is, let's take it back to Pio and Silver Lake. I made this whole menu up and it was super California French. And I would put one, I put one ingredient, American Southern vibey dish on there, which is, the barbecue fried chicken, which is the one that I make at my two cents still. Oh, right? cool. Mm-hmm. And I had it there. And that's what always so that's what they would write me up about. And I'm like, what the fuck? I was so pissed. <laughs> but funny enough, it was $18 back then. And the fucking shit is still $18 today. I'm pissed. Really? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> Guys, what happened? Why isn't it? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> okay. So we will be obviously promoting my last meal a great deal. But I was just, for everyone listening, I was just on my last meal. and Yes, and you have to listen so you can find out what her last meal is. And you have to know what my last meal is. And so now I want to ask you what's your last meal. Fuck. Pia. It's a no fairly, one has asked that yet. I was wondering because it's a really annoying question. <laughs> it's very annoying, but I like it to be. Okay, I don't know what it's going to be, but the question is time sensitive. So today, if I had to choose today, yeah. which I tell people, oh, my God. What's your what's your first course? My first course is, oh, mm-hmm, is an octopus salad. Oh, okay. Mm, I had a little pulpo. Yes. And it was like tied and tied, neck and neck from an Italian version and a Peruvian version. But I just got back from Peru. It was insane. Goddamn. <laughs> insane. 
the hell? I was so confused. I held my forehead like the whole time I was there. I was like, <laughs> um, so definitely polipo salad with some beautiful like microgreens and like mm. just fresh and citrusy. They have some type of fruit that makes the sauce purple. I don't know what it was. Cool. Um, I would have that salad to start. And then I would have a two appetizers. I would have that and I would have what I had for the first time in Peru also is beef heart. Oh, wow. Cow heart. It was so good. Okay. So confused. So confused. <laughs> I would have, they call it chucky, chuck, chucky, chucky, some shit. I'm fucking it up. But Peru, you know, I don't know. But you know, I love you. So I would have that. Um, it was that good that something you just had would go on your last meal. 100%. Okay. Because now I'm all the way up here. Chef world never had it. It was like, fuck, I missed that for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. But I can't have it here. No. Because I wouldn't trust it. Yeah, yeah. Of course not. I would not trust any organ heart unless it's for my own cow. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, next course. So the next course would be, um, and I'm back to the pasta thing, the main course. We could go main course because I have that salad. The main course, yeah, antichoke. Yeah, that's what it is. The main course, mm, I cannot believe you, Pia. You know what I would have today if t- tomorrow I wouldn't have bronzino. I would take it. I would take it. I would do a perfectly with wondra flour, which is like very, very. It's almost like powder. A sautéed skate wing. <gasps> wow, chic. If you do skate right, that, that is shit a is chic like, fucking entree. Oh God, with like you know. A really good potato with that and some fresh, you know, maybe really simple. Um, you know, I might mix it up and because I don't have this is my last meal. I would do cataloo with that, which is like a Jamaican version of, of, of greens that you cook, like collard greens, but it's called callaloo. I would flip it with that. And what, what are you doing for dessert? Dessert, I can have my sister's sweet potato. Vegan sweet potato pound cake and be out. It's just a sweet potato dipper. pound cake. Vegan sweet potato pound cake is the best one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. Oh, I need it's to have that. It's simple. If you don't like dessert, because I'm not a big dessert, I'm person, not either. That's it. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Are you at the restaurant a lot? Um, not as much as I used to be, but I'm there on Sundays. Okay. I would like but to you, meet you in person and eat at your restaurant with you. Absolutely. We'll exchange numbers after this Great. and just text me when you want to come over. Thank you. Yeah, Where can everybody find brains. you? Mm-hmm. Where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me um, at my, the number two since LA at, G, at um, that's Insta. The Chef Elisa is my other Insta. And, uh, at my two cents in mid city. Look us up. Come see us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have this a great fun. rest of your day. And I will, I can't wait to meet you in real life because you're wonderful. Definitely. And get, grab my number so then you can um, come by. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.